How are you getting on? What's the crack? When you look up your name on the internet, it comes up the first, and I've seen it on a couple of places, Irish cult comedy hero. And I don't think I could put it better myself. Is that how you describe yourself? No, definitely not. No, but I do. It's it's a nice thing to think about. But no, I just consider myself a cult chancer, maybe. <laughs> a hardy Mayo <laughs> man. A hardy Mayo man. Where are you from yourself? I'm Ballyhonest, um, so I'm only down the road. Oh, no way, okay. Fun fact, um, my old pair were in it, we call it a spin-off of the Hardy books. They went down to Ballyhonest one day and they did a, a, like a skit with Eddie Murphy's, a promotional video with Eddie Murphy's. It was uh, Boo and oh, yeah. French Toast. And they French went Toast, into, oh, yeah. no way, yeah, I know the yeah. one. Um, they, went into, they went into the bar with the bar of Ballyhonest there and they just... T- told the out pair like they thought it'd be like okay this is what you have to do and this is what you have to say and they just said right the boys are going to come in and just react to them and just do whatever you like mm-hmm. and it's funny because me and my good mate and i have to give him a shout out fairly early sean duffy we'd be obsessed with the hardy books from a young age and we'd be saying quotes back and over and after about three years of knowing him i this came up in conversation and he's like how have you never told me this this should be the basis of our of our whole relationship but <laughs> as i said that's what i practically base my personality on the hardy books when we were younger <laughs> jesus yeah i don't know if that's a good thing i hope thing you got the right out of it <laughs> um so yeah you're best, no best yeah exactly <laughs> you're best known for being in the hardy books obviously um what, what was it like when you think of the time it was started, like it was around, uh, I think of 2010, like that's after the recession. How did it come about? It was about? a weird time because, yeah. well, it felt like everybody that was in school with me or the same year as me, they were off doing their careers. Like maybe some of them were doing trades or some of the other people were doing, I don't know, maybe they were like, <clears throat> like accountants or whatever. And myself and a few of the other lads who were in the same year together, it felt like we were just hanging out in Galway doing nothing. But little did we realize the hanging out in Galway was actually going to become uh, the next step of our life only magnified. So we just kind of like played up to the fact that we were hanging around Galway, not doing too much. So we were kind of method actors for about five years. And then we got into the Hardy books and then it just kind of went from there, really. Like, so we never really thought of it as a big deal. But along the way, there'd be a few moments where you're like, Jesus, this is is this our job now? Or like, but it, it was never spec. It was never spectacular ever either. Like, you know, it was just everything was like a slow build up to the next point. So even when we met it on TV, it never saw it never felt like, wow, we're on TV. There was so many, so many months before then where we were like, you're going to be on TV now next week. And then it's like, oh, no, sorry, not next week, the week after. So it was like, do you know what I mean? It was just small steps along the way all the time. Still, that's a big, big deal, like getting on the TV, not many, like... I know, it's great. It's, it is great, no, and I'm very, very proud of it. And it's great to be able to watch the show and, and like, see see us as young lads to where we are now. And Fine tell me this, so you were, you were saying, yeah, you were saying that you were hanging around Galway. We all just working away. And, and, like, I presume at that time, a lot of people would have moved away as well, out of the country. Yeah, a lot of our mates had moved away to Australia and there was a big talk of come over to Australia. There's plenty of work out there for you. But it never really appealed to us for some reason as a group. So um, myself and the boo, we were living together in Dublin. Or sorry, Galway. 
and we were living and we were kind of like going in between jobs and, you know, we'd be going out every weekend and we'd be trying to meet somebody and we were always up to a bit of mischief, going to the gym, you know, trying to, trying to get muscular. And then Eddie Durkin came onto the scene with French Toast, even though we knew them anyways from home. But they started hanging out with us. And then the four of us were kind of hanging out together and like Salmon was always around as well because from myself and Salmon, we know each other since we were two and a half years old, like so. So then with everybody there, and then Eddie Durkin knew the Viper. So when, when all of the lads kind of came together, it was just like, we'd have great crack. But it was like, I suppose we never really thought that we could make a show out of it. It was just that we were in, we should enjoy each other's company hanging around. And we'd go out in Galway together, and we'd go out in Kessabar together, and sometimes we'd, we'd go as far as Dublin together. And uh, so, like, it's kind of like... <laughs> You were the modern men back then when, you know, boys are hanging around nowadays and they're chatting away and they're saying, we should make a podcast. You were just doing that, but you said, fuck it, we'll make a YouTube video. Well, the, to be honest, it was more so the Viper and Eddie Durkin that came up with the idea of we should be recording what we're doing here now in the street or like we should, you know, maybe make, make this into little videos and stuff like that and see what happens. So up to that point, myself and the Boo and French Toast, you know, and Salmon, it never crossed our mind to do something like that. So... When the lads started recording with the cameras, it was a bit of a novelty because um, back in them days, nobody had phones either. Like there was no smartphones. It was all like Nokia 3210s. So nobody was, was recording themselves. So when you see a camera there, it was a bit, it was kind of exciting, you know, to see a camera You're like, Jesus, this is kind of like uh, something job. you didn't expect to be doing. So a kind of high tech, high tech handheld jobs, you know. So um, it was like a lot of excitement at the beginning, certainly to to be recording stuff together. And then when, the Viper would edit everything together. We're like, Jesus, this actually looks kind of funny. There's some funny bits to it, you know? And then, and then um, we entered the competition online. It was like, it was called RTE Storyland. And we didn't think much of it, but we got down to the final 10. And when you get down to the final 10, they give you, it was like eight grand each you get. Jeez. So we were getting 500 quid each for filming a weekend work of Hardy Books. And that was the same as we were getting for a full week's work in a job that we didn't like. So, we thought, Jesus, we may as well keep going with this now. So it kind of like started going from there. That was the first taste that we got. What were you first doing at the time the big that, um, that uh, first 500 quid came into the bank account? What were you working as? I think I was working in, in Smith's Toy Stores in Galway, actually. I was working in the uh, software zone, which is the computer zone of, of Smith's Toy Stores upstairs. And I was just working away, like just selling Game Boys to people and games and all that stuff. And not really do my job well like you know um, and then I was in lifestyle sports for a while and then I moved down I think I moved actually to Cork for a few weeks with uh, my ex ex-girlfriend and then the boo he was working away in different jobs as well you know he was going to college but he deferred something I don't know what he did he, he kind of deferred the course and uh, so we were all kind of like knocking around but then when we all started hanging out together the crack was so good that we'd be missing plenty of work and actually, we all got jobs on a construction site together. But myself and the boo were on a ver we were in a really good construction site where like the foreman was like, Ari, just do whatever you want there, lads, you're grand. So we'd be having a really good time. And then across the city, Eddie Durkin was working on a different building site, but he had a really nasty foreman who was like, You're awful lazy, man. You need to be doing more work. So like he was fed up with that, but he was trying to get us to quit as well and eventually he got us to quit and then we got into the film and kind of more so full-time geez that's that's a big a big jump like you know quitting the job and saying go and film oh yeah like, what did the fucking old pair think you know 
Oh, they uh, they were very like kind of looking at you, kind of going, "What are you doing? Like, this is like just another one of your gimmicks that you 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 might give up." They were, no, they were, to be honest, they were sound though as well. They weren't really saying that, but you kind of felt like people were like, "Oh yeah, you're making videos, eh? Fair play, yeah, that that'll do well." Yeah, yeah. So like in a way, there was, but I suppose the characters we were kind of close enough to the characters at the time anyway, so we kind of knew that there was a bit of crack in it. You know, the, the, you know when you you feel something exciting happening. So we knew that um, we could be on something. I think so. There was definitely a feeling of telling everybody we met. And Eddie Durkin, in fairness to him, he's a great salesman. Like he'd be telling everybody he met. We'd be driving around Galway, and he'd be like, "Sorry, um, he'd pull over to these like tourists. He'd be like, sorry, have you seen Hardy Books? And they'd be like, uh, "What? Uh, we don't understand." And then he'd give them like a a link on a piece of paper to watch the Hardy Books online. Oh, like uh, a bit of self-promotion, like, but um, no, we never expected it. I don't think we did anyway. You were saying that you were living in Galway. Was it a lot of the film filming not done in Swinford? It was. Oh, yeah. The filming was all done in Swinford, uh, or mostly. There was a bit done in Kessabar in Charlestown, but that's what I mean. We all moved back home then. Yeah, we you're all Swinford. When it got yeah. more full time. Pretty much all Swinford been, yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of outside Swinford. And it's, it's actually you've heard of a place called Bohola. I don't know. Yeah, unfortunately, it's funny. <laughs> I'd be driving through. I'd be driving through Swinford, and like anyone who's maybe not from around or maybe hasn't seen the Hardy books, would be like, "That's the fucking alleyway there where he had the the skyline." They were like, "What are you talking <laughs> about?" And yeah, that's the fucking handball alley. Um, I'm surprised they didn't come up with a Hardy books like in Ballyhonas. Like, there's enough characters knocking around. <laughs> sure, I thought you were going to say. I'm surprised you didn't come up with a, a Hardy Books tour. I've often thought about that. You know how they bring you on a walking tour of different cities? Like, Yeah. I, I would have. That would be my dream job when I was about 17, 16 would be to be the tour guide of the Hardy Books around Swinford being like, this is where they got stuck in the handball alley. Nip. <laughs> You'd have tourists looking at you like Chinese lads with the cameras, you know, be like, what? Who? Who are you? You know, but... Um... Yeah, it could be something we could do down the line. Maybe we can team up, create our own brand. There you go, man. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember when an episode would come out and I'd be in school, and you'd be trying so hard to remember some of the quotes because you know when you you go back into school the next day, you're not even having conversations. You're saying the quotes back and over to each other. And um, yeah, yeah. In fairness, there was a good, there was a lot of quotable lines in it. That was that's something that's kind of I, you know, like. I think that was one of the best things about it. There was very quotable lines in there that that's, they kind of like stuck in your head a bit. And then that kind of made you think about the show more. So I think that's something that uh, we did well anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's the part I loved about it. You could just you could say a line and it'll bring back, you know, memories. I love My favourite line is, it's not just, a, it's not a fish, it's a carrot in a bag of water. <laughs> like, I love that line so much. It's just imagine one of the, one of the best... Head. Like, I could yeah. name rhyme off 10 quotes from that episode straight away. Like, are you really the Stig? Yeah, I am. Like, it's just fucking quality. <laughs> um, yeah, there was some good stuff in there, yeah. That, it's one of the questions I'm going to ask you, <clears> the, the favourite line. Should there's so many of them. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, every time I watch an episode, you know, it's something else. It reminds me of, even just brings me back to the time when I was watching it. And I, yeah. it's funny, it's kind of like any time you move away, like I never listened to um I never listened to fucking oh Jesus. Listen the band, what's the fucking Irish band? 
Wolftones. Wolftones. The Wolftones. Um, I never listened to the Wolftones until I moved away to New York, and then I was the biggest fucking Wolftones fan ever. Like I was. Yeah. Listen, you that's know, it. I, you see, you kind of get more homesick, don't you? Always, and that's something myself and Duffy did. We we moved to New York. We get the laptop out and we throw on an episode of Harry Books, and it was just fucking unreal. And I'd say that was a big part of it as well. That you may, maybe you do, or maybe you don't realize that. Like, I'm sure around then, you know. Uh, 2012, 13, when it was you know at its peak, people away in Australia watching it and and kind of feeling a small bit at home. That's nice. Yeah, some people did say that to me. Yeah, um, I met a few people in Canada there last year, and they were saying the same thing to me. And they're like, yeah, "It's nice to it's, it's as you were saying there, like you listen to bands that you'd never listen to um, when you're away." And I know exactly what you mean. You know, anytime I've been away, like uh, I've definitely kind of got more into the Irish music and all that stuff. But um, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling though when people say that. It's a nice, it's a nice thought. Like you know, that that definitely warms the cockles because it's nice to know that you know, like you always home is always your home, and you always like like the things about it. And sometimes when you're there at at home, you don't appreciate it. But oh, when you way. go away, and if something can remind you home, that's a good feeling too. You know, so. Um, Thanks for saying that. What part of what New York were you in? Uh, up Woodlawn, in hardly, no? Yeah, Woodlawn. You know yourself, lad. Every Irish person is well. up there. <laughs> were you up there for a while? I know, fuck me. I went up there once. Absolutely. I went up there for a gig one time. And I was meant to be gigging at like 3 p.m. in the day. But I got up. I took the took the train or the subway up. But it took me six hours on the subway. I didn't know where I was going. And I got there like for like half seven. And I was like, sorry, I'm late. And I thought it was a half an hour late. He goes, you're three and a half hours late, but you'll be grand. There was like and, a load of people, a load of camogie players in there. Um, they were like raising money for camogie, but they were all like steamboats. And were you doing a gig in there, did you say? I had to do a blind date in there, yeah. I had to do like host a blind date in Keen's Bar, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Do you know um, it? I, was fair, I think that's the one I used to drink. Sure, there was four or five Irish bars there, same place as every fucking weekend. Uh, and yeah, that's yeah, a great crack. spot, which is absolutely nuts. And how how did that come about? Were you just in New York? Uh, they hardly flew you over, like you no, know. No, your or... man. No, it was just when I was doing videos on Facebook, mostly. Uh, your man, I think his name is. I could be wrong. Is it Seamus? I could be Seamus Keen. I could be wrong on that one now, but he got on to me and he said to me, "Would you come over and do a gig in New York?" And sure, one of my favorite places in the world is New York, so I was delighted to go over. That's serious. So I've got a I've got a cousin living in Long Island as well. So you stayed there. He's an absolute lunatic. So I went over, stayed at him, and then I got the subway up to Woodlawn, and I was there for I think maybe seven or eight days in total. And uh, oh man, I was just like, I don't know if I'd love it here or hate it here because you could end up going out all the time over there. Yeah, Woodlawn's a funny place because there's so many Irish there. Like, I stand outside yeah. the bar and. You be having a fag, and someone be saying, you know, you say, "Where are you from?" And it only ever took one person, one mutual friend, to know the next person. They could be from yeah. anywhere in the world. That's a great part about it. But at the same time, um, you know, you're going to a different country. You'd like to meet some other people. But Woodlawn has a serious amount yeah, of true. um, like Irish Americans. So we played football there. Myself and Duffy played football uh, with a team called Barnabas Saint Barnabas, and all the boys in the team were were born and raised in america but like their old pair from tipperary or whatever or their grandparents were yeah they grew up like they'd stay up they knew more about gad than i did and some of them were serious footballers like they'd make any fucking yeah. team back home <laughs> because they um crazy 
they've just grown up with it and it was just part of their life like but uh it was nice to see that part of it you know kind of the irish american side yeah uh, she said it, it's a it's a trippy enough one when you see when you meet them and they're like they they know more about some part of history than you do you like yeah sake. they're kind of showing you up a bit nearly well it's i think sometimes it's nearly overcompensating they want to be irish so much that they're fucking looking into the irish history yeah you know and I, yeah exactly and i suppose when you're in america like uh, i suppose it's such a crazy place you want to at least be able to tie yourself into some sort of like definitely maybe culture we'll say so then you know you go with the irish or i don't know if you're italian you join the mafia <laughs> over there or whatever and <laughs> um, speaking of your gigs um I was at one of your gigs in Limerick. The woman got me tickets for my birthday. And what do you know, myself and Duffy went. The woman couldn't go, so I said, next best man to go is Duffy. And uh, <laughs> it was gassed because the fe- I don't know who the warm-up act was, but he was coming on like a comedian, like, you know, like, so I went to the shop and, I, you know, and I was like, yeah, what's Owen what's, what's Colton going to do? Like, is he going to do this? And he came on and was just like, what's the crack? And everyone just went mental. And I remember, like, yeah, one yeah. part of it. You, you didn't have to impress anyone. It wasn't like you're standing there uh, for a comedian and be like, oh, we'll see what this fella's like. Everyone was just totally at your helm that they're like, I'm going, this is going to be funny no matter yeah. what. It's a, it must be good crack. Like, I remember just, you just put up a, a slideshow and was like, yeah. Uh, oh, was, um, it was, fuck. What's your man that has the face covered? I'm blanking now. He'd just be selling hash. Osama, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> no, he's he's sell hash. He's fuck it. Who is it? He's got his face covered. He's in the Hardy books, obviously. He's um. Oh, um, uh, Dunleavy, is it? What's his name? Shaky Dunleavy. Fuck, I forget his no, name. Oh, what's his name? Oh, that's gonna kill me now. Uh, he's got his face covered. He does. We always have the face up. Oh, what's the story, man? I know seafood Dunleavy. Is it? Well, maybe I'm getting around. Seafood and Levy, yeah, yeah. He's got no. He never wears shoes. No, no, that's not him. But I know you're hearing on about. But who the fuck is it? Oh man, it's he's a big enough character. Well, he's not big enough. He's a side character. Scorpio, no. Scorpio, hey, it was Scorpio. Maybe it was. Scorpio. Maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. But that's who I'm thinking of. Scorpio, Scorpio lines. Yeah, that's my friend Scorpio, and everyone's just like, "That's fucking serious. That's fucking hilarious." Like, and it was just literally a picture of him. You're yeah, like, yeah. That's me, mate. There. Um, <laughs> I was like, "This." Uh, thanks is... very much for coming along to that, but it was great, Craig. I'm working on a new tour now, though, at the moment. That's obviously. I have, one thing I have I a lot of fresh material in there too. So. Yeah. Um, I, what, I'm what doing this. It? I'm doing this new. It's like a. It's like a new hour, but like, you know, like. Um, it's it's basically like yeah a new hour of material that I'm trying to kind of do. So what I'm doing is I'm doing loads of stories and, and like normal stand up, but I've kind of been working on them a bit more than like we'll say because we see the thing with Hardy books is when we were filming that we would just improvise the whole thing, yeah, and yeah, edit it down to see whatever came out. So what like what percentage of that would be improvised? The whole thing would be improvised. I would say at times. 100%. There might be the odd line where you're like, you have to say this line. So we'd say the line like, Eddie, where are you going tonight? And then it completely would change back to whatever we were talking about. And, it, you know, there could be a lot of crap there as well, like, but it was mostly improvised. So I was kind of bringing that same style to the to my stand-up where I was going up on stage for like an hour talking. Jesus. And then, you know, it's with the, with the slideshow, it's good crack because you, you have the bit of support behind you there. But I've come to realize that, like, 
it's good to have stories planned and like at least know what you're going to talk about. And then on top of that, then you can talk shite, you know. So if you have the double whammy, you're off to a winner. So, um, Jeez, so yeah, we improvise the whole thing, really. That's insane. I never thought that. Um, was there a bit more planning when RTE came in? Did they, have, did they tell you like you have to have there some was, sort yeah. of structure? Was, You'd have to have a, a bit of a storyline. Yeah, there was a la- there was a lady who used to come down from RTE and she'd stand there looking at you going, I don't think your character would say that. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like you're only landed in, in Swinford like 20 minutes. You know, you don't really know what goes on here. But they felt in some ways, I suppose they felt the need to be telling you to what, what to do because yeah. they're like, well, we have a history of making TV shows. So, but they were sound. The people that we work with were all sound as well in fairness to us, you know, but it was just, there was a bit of getting used to it being on TV because I suppose for television stuff, they were saying that the characters need to barracks and like you need to storyline to carry through the whole episode. Otherwise people will tune out because they were longer episodes, you know? So there was a bit of like annoying at the same time though, because you're like, well, this is how we've done it. It felt a bit. Yeah. It felt very forced at the beginning where we were, when we were doing it, we're like, Jesus, we feel very, very wooden on camera. And I think they could have taken a bit more of a chance with how we did things. And they could have like just said, okay, we're just going to do it the same way you're doing it, but just try to give everything a bit more help, you know? Mm. Um, and obviously you're going to need a camera person and a director and all that stuff. But I think they could have leaned into the more, more so to the way we were already doing it. Like, cause the formula was kind of working already. Mm. But at the same time, if you ever hear a blind boy talking about TV, he reckons that it's just it's it's so different from when you even start the process to when you finish it the whole thing could be totally different the idea of what so like you're actually looking in a sense that the hardy book still was captured in a a good way and it wasn't totally lost altogether um because definitely yeah because that does happen it happens a lot you know that you lose the complete essence of it but i think there's still some good stuff on the tv stuff you can still see the gold in there definitely but it's it's not as it's not as much gold is the YouTube stuff, but you can still kind of see it. But yeah, definitely the TV stuff, the same with social media now as well. It's kind of like it gets watered down after a while and then you end up, you kind of have to sort of sell your soul a small bit, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just... Hasht- hashtag Illuminati. <laughs> um, I'm still, I'm still baffled by going up on stage and just kind of, okay, maybe it's a bit disrespe- disrespectful saying wigging it, but... Like I was listening to a Kevin Hart uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast and he was going on about like, oh, like my whole hour stand up is like a two year process, like the first year. And he was talking yeah. about how he goes to small gigs and, and changes it and all that. I'm like, sure, let's see him go up on stage and do an hour in Limerick there with boys fucking, as you said, when you were there, you're like, <laughs> I've, I've seen a few boys in the toilet there, they were sniffing something and like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's different gravy. There's altogether. a lot of craziness going on. Well, yeah, but you're, I mean, I think, yeah, well, two years is a long time to be putting a show together too. I think that's nearly too much. It's, it's nearly like Kevin Hart is like an actor now as well. Yeah. You know, when he's up on stage, it's like more like an act. Whether it's, I think, for myself personally, anyways, I like, I like it when there's, you know, you're having a real conversation with the person as well, you know. I think that that's definitely important. But uh, Kevin Hart, I suppose he's, he's super famous and he's super rich, so he's probably doing something right now. <laughs> yeah. But for me... Fuck I'll, I'll never, I'll never... go to Owen Calgan show. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. And I, just to be clear, I have not paid you to say that. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no, 
No, but I like to keep a bit of rawness and a bit of realness there too, because otherwise it gets too like fabricated and it's too set up, you know. And even if you watch specials on net on Netflix now, for example, you just look at them and they're all dressed really nice and all the, the shots are all perfect. And maybe that's just the way the media's gone now, but it's nice to have a bit of rawness in there too. Definitely. And so that's like you're representing yourself as well. Like you don't want to yeah. and no one no one wants to go to an Uncalgan show and it to be like a Kevin Hart show or to be like uh, someone else because they're going to see Uncalgan. They know what you're like. They want to see you and exactly. not some sort yeah. of fucking pre-rehearsed shite. Exactly, yeah. They don't want something that's too polished. Mm. So it's about, the thing is, Stephen, it's about finding the middle ground. And I think, I think uh, with coming back after lockdown, I was kind of like trying to get find my feet again with stand-up because I think comedy and everything changed a bit after the lockdown carry-on. And everyone, not to be going on about it, but everyone is like, you know, seeing things a bit differently. So I'm just mm. kind of, now I'm getting up to speed, I think, again, with like stand-up and social media and everything like that. Because it's one of those things where you have to be constantly on the wheel in order to kind of understand what's going on in a way. Or at least observing it. And I kind of got fed yeah. up with all of it, really. Like, I didn't really enjoy social media. And, um, you know, even sometimes with the stand-up, I wasn't enjoying it as much before. But I'm really getting into it now again. And that's... That's only got to be a good thing. And I thank the man upstairs for that. <laughs> I My uncle's in the attic up there. <laughs> I have to comment on you said when you, you, you don't like social media because um, I, I Duffy, again, he's getting some shout out here today. He sent me, because um, <laughs> I was telling him, when I, when I text you Has he Instagram, paid you to, to, yeah, to yeah. him 10 times? <laughs> um, when I text you on Instagram, you're like, yeah, come on. First man I text straight away is like, Uncle is coming on the podcast. He's like, fantastic. And uh, then I was telling him he's on this evening and uh, he sent me your story. He was like, well, I'm supposed to be doing a, po- a podcast with a lad and I don't have your email. He's like, is this you? And he's like, it's so gas how he has 100,000 followers and he just puts it up like that's just that's just him, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And that's one thing. I felt I was, bad. <laughs> um, the one thing I I was wondering about and it seems like you're not putting on an act like does I wonder does it get exhausting at times maybe for you if you feel like you have to or 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 maybe some celebrities where they're like oh I don't know well just because Kevin Hart's on on the topic like he's all bubbly and funny and like when someone sees him in public he was saying like they're just expect him they're nearly poking him like say something funny like is it natural enough Mm. for you when you meet boys out in the pub like you're chatting away to them normally or are they coming up being like say the quote, do the thing. It depends on the situation for myself anyways, but like I will weigh up, I'll weigh up if it's a group of lads in a pub and they all look like hard lads. I'm like, right lads, you got a pint and I'll have a very fast pint and have the crack with them. But I love, I love talking to people like it's, sure like it's, you're, it's a blessing really to be able to go into a pub and meet a gang of lads and have the crack with them straight off the bat. So that kind of stuff is good, but then it, not that it's exhausting, but sometimes, you know, you might be in a good mood some days, which is mm. normal for everybody. And then, like, you might meet lads in town and you're like, you don't want to be cranky to them then because you think, well, they'll think I'm a dickhead, you know, but maybe I'm just tired today or whatever. So in that way, it's kind of in the back of your mind, like, you know, um, to kind of con- not not to be on all the time, but to sort of, you know, like. I guess you kind of feel like if you're if you look cranky in public, someone might be like. Yeah, I met that lad in town. He's a cranky old bastard, you know. So like, and you can't let those things get to you, though. You just, I, I, yeah, 
Exactly, yeah. They just that's what they'll be telling all their neighbors, and then eventually there'll be like a village in Donegal, and everyone's like, I heard you were a cranky bastard. I know, but um I suppose I try to the older I'm getting, the more I'm like, I'm just going to be who I am in the moment. And if somebody meets me and I'm in good form, please God, then well I I'm normally in good form anyways, I think. But I just try to give them a natural a real conversation because I think that's that's what that's what's better. Like, you know, it's not like um when I meet you in town, I'll be playing a character. I'd rather, mm. I'd rather have a real conversation with somebody than kind of like, unless of course they're looking at me and they want me to play up to it, then, then I'll do that too. You know, some lad is like saying, now you have a pint. You'll definitely have a pint. Then they're up for the crack too. They don't want to be hearing about me walking the dog or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it must be good crack. As you said, you can go into a pub and like, well, I suppose it could be a positive and negative. You just want to have a quiet pint. And someone says, I, uh, you know, that's fucking buzz. Or you can go into a pub and that's the thing like, is, yeah, yeah. you can be by yourself and you could end up having a serious night. That's it, you see, yeah. You can have great nights. And I've had some unbelievable nights with people who are like I never met before that night or never met them since. And um you know, in Cork and different places, I remember like there was one night I was out in Cork and I was at a gig. I had a gig that night and I remember my shoe got taken off me because I was crowd surfing after the gig. And I had to walk around Cork with one shoe on, but I met up with this group of people and uh, they were like, we'll bring you to a lovely little bar down the road here. So I went down to this pub. I think it was called Fred Zeppelin's, the pub. And uh, I don't know if you know it there, but it's, it's, in, it's in Cork. But we went in there anyways and we had drinks till maybe six o'clock in the morning and we were just having the crack and just chatting absolute shit, you know, and uh, great time. And then, uh, last year, I went over to York. I don't know what I was doing in York, but I was over there and uh, I met these, as you were saying, like Irish-American lads, but these were Irish-English lads. They were, I think the parents were from County Clare or somewhere like that and Mayo as well and everything like that. So they're like, oh, come on in here. We'll have a few pints. So I was drinking in the most random spot in York with a gang of people from Cork, or from Mayo and Clare. And I haven't seen them it? since, but still keep in touch with them now. Where else would you get it? Sure, it's great, you know? Um, and I bumped into you know Parsons from Mayo the footballer Tom yeah yeah I met his brother in New York one time Aaron is it I remember looking at him going a tall lad he's a tall lad with Curly, kind of curly Aaron. hair I played football with him actually yeah gentleman oh no way yeah, yeah he's sound skin he's as sound, sound as a pound that lad but uh, he was, hey, I met sorry. him in a pub in New York sorry go on talk away there and I'll, t- I'll tell the story after go on no there's no there's no end to the story anyways the story goes nowhere but I met him in a pub in New York <laughs> and I was looking at him and he was looking at me and he was like Buzz. And I was like, are you Parsons? He goes, I am, yeah, yeah. And then we started chatting, we had a few drinks together. And great, great crack, like, but I haven't seen him since either. As far as I know, Lads, this, they won't this, text is me like, back, yeah. man. <laughs> this could be wrong, but I'm nearly sure about this. Um, there's a quote in Hardy Books where he says it. I'm nearly sure he's in it. And it's, your old lady has worms. And you're, I don't know who's talking to it, but there's three young lads. And I'm nearly sure that one of them is Aaron Parsons because I remember watching it at the time when no I was playing football with them and I never got, got confirmation but maybe we'll have to get on to him I'm nearly sure that that's a little Jeez. what the, an easter that's egg good, there yeah 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 that could be it could be yeah it, sound, it sounds right someone's going to have to do the math on that one because yeah, yeah. uh, he's from Charlestown so I'd say yeah. he could have been around there you go lad tell you this is ridiculous Duffy texted me today um, or was yesterday and he says do you know what's one thing you should ask on is what was his sporting career like? Because he was saying, he gave me a couple of different facts. He's like, 
he did a training video there with whoever and he looked decent and when he did this he actually looked decent did you play a bit of sport when you were younger <laughs> oh yeah you couldn't keep me away from a tennis racket <laughs> no i did <laughs> i played a lot of soccer when i was a child an awful lot like to the point where i was always outside playing ball all the time and uh I wasn't bad, but I was never that good. But I had dreams to play for Man United. That was my first dream, to play for, for Man United. But I'll, I'll never forget, I read in a magazine somewhere, it was like, if Man United don't discover you by the age of nine, you'll never be discovered by Man United. And that kind of Shattered that derailed dreams. my dream of playing for Man United. Yeah, exactly. So, But I used to have Man United posters all over the bedroom. Everyone there, Steve Bruce, Kinchelskis, Paul Parker, all the boys. So, so, so I, I used to play a bit of soccer. But I was, I was never that good. I scored maybe five goals in my whole career. For and Swinford, was it? What else did I do? What other sports? For Swinford United, by. I used to go to the, yeah, the played... FAI camps, the soccer camps down in Swinford. No, there you go. Fun fact. Where oh, you the videoed the. Like a blitz. Yeah, it's like. The... Well, do you know who it was? We're there for, we're there for you know, Monday to Friday, like a, a week camp there, you know, during the summer. And Packy Bonner was mm. there. Packy, Packy Bonner arrived down to Swinford oh, yeah. and signed the boots. I remember. I'm sure I didn't know who the fuck he was. I was about. 10 at the time and the awful lad telling me who's Packy Bonner you know but uh, yeah that's my experience and I got sent off in Swinford actually I uh, one of the <laughs> managers text me like a couple hours before the game like will you play this today I went down and I felt bad I started ahead of one or two boys that were probably I wasn't really playing and and about after about 20 minutes I got fed up some fella passed but I was doing circles past boys passing ball around around <laughs> me I was two footed some fella I got sent off but um, oh, no, yeah, you, you look decent in fairness. Um, I'd say it's good crack Not getting the opportunities to do stuff like that and get to meet uh, different celebrities. Who, yeah, I suppose is, two, yeah. two quick ones. Who's maybe the biggest or the, you know, the, the celebrity that you have um, got the most kick out of meeting? And, and then on the contrary, who's the biggest clown you've ever met you thought that was going to be good crack? Jeez. Do you know, it's a good question. I suppose because I, I love I love soccer, so I used to watch, I like I love Man United, so I used to be watching them back in the day, and I used to like I'd watch Arsenal, obviously. So when I met I met Gary Pallister, but like sometimes when I say that to people, they're like, "Who?" So he, he used to play centre back for Man United, as I'm sure you know. And I met Sol Campbell. I liked I did I genuinely like meeting them lads because they're they're fucking like brilliant. Like well, I don't know if you call Gary Pallister. A brilliant athlete, but he was definitely a great defender with Steve Bruce. Sol Campbell was like a big unit of a fella, and he was very kind of dry and serious. I was like talking to him, trying to have a conversation with him, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm from uh, Swinford myself." He goes, "All right, that's cool." And then he just walked off. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" But he was sound. Then I met him another time, and he he was sound. Um, another time, I he he used to manage a team, Stand Stand uh, Stansted United or something like that, and. Uh, I went over to train with his team one time and you know like they were all like second division but they were still handy but i remember like we we're all in a circle and we were just doing the tappy tappy kind of shots and i did a tappy tappy through a lad's legs but the ball completely didn't hit off the right spot part of my leg like it, it was complete fluke but they thought i meant to do it so they're like oh man you're not bad you're all right you're all right <laughs> you're always getting a contract didn't think. exactly yeah maybe sign me name over get it couple of pound into the account or something but uh that's then we did like one-on-ones and i was like oh fuck I, my legs felt like lead they were so quick so never really never really got any further than that that was <laughs> five years ago so no and then 
I like I like watching UFC. I used to really like watching Pride. I don't know if you've ever seen. Yeah, it was Pride. nuts. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, remember remember watching Fedor versus Krokop when that came out, and I was like, oh man, I'd love to do this. But so I did a bit of jujitsu, like I and I, by a bit I mean I went to like three classes, and uh, I used to be just wrestling lads, but I never knew any of the finish moves. So there was one time myself and this rugby lad. He was really he was quite like well built. Uh, but I was like, me and him are wrestling and he'd get me down, but he didn't know how to finish me. And then I'd get him down and I wouldn't know how to finish him. So it just turned out to be two lads hugging each other. I'm going to snippet that last sentence there and going to do you there. <laughs> um, it's good crack oh, though, Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, it's, uh, you had a good few videos it's of Ronda Rousey have. and all that. Oh, you had Ronda Rousey and she was just wanking me off. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah that I, UFC uh, hat that you wore was like, uh, that was like your uniform for a long time. It was, yeah, yeah. That was when Hardy Books finished. I was like, I don't know what to do with me life here. Like, because we were kind of like all at a point where like you kind of had to uh, leave the nest your own in your own way. Yeah. Like, so I started doing UFC stuff. So it wasn't too far away from the character. But a friend of mine, he gave me a UFC hat. So I thought, let's well start here now and start doing stuff with that. And I met Rory McDonald as well, actually. Do you know yeah. Rory McDonald? Yeah. yeah was, I met uh... him in um, in Dublin one time, but... Then another time I was over in Montreal and I was meant, I, I did meet him again and it, we were meant to do a video together, but it didn't work out in the finish. But we had like, we went to this place that sold craft beers. Like there's only like this size, the craft beers, like, but we had five each, but we were like drinking them really quickly. And he's an athlete, so he's fairly fit. And uh, I, when I was drinking them too, so I, we both got really fucked fairly quickly. And then this, the night went kind of, the night went very random. Then we kind of lost each other. But he's a good crack. So uh, I had to find my... Nah, he was a good crack, though, yeah. He was really sound. Very, like, serious, you know, and kind of, like... He's a very, like, tall, kind of handsome dude, and you know well that he's a, he's a trained killer. Yeah, you'd, like, you'd want to be fairly serious He was really serious, fascinated with Ireland, too, though. Yeah? You, you would want to be serious enough when you know you're getting into a ring with someone that's, you know, willing to kill you, like, yeah. you know, it's mental, really. It's, exactly. It's, oh, yeah. Crazy shit, like, you know? Crazy so, shit. Um, yeah, so I suppose... They were all anyone I've met has been sound anyways. I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I've got to be two PM. Maybe getting too cute in the old age. But <laughs> I met the crew from. I met some of the people from S Club Seven. They were sound as well. I absolutely love um, S Club Seven. And I met I met Graham Sunis. And it, he's and a clown, that fellow. Graham Sunis. Graham Sunis. He's he's a bit of a tick bastard, but well, uh, like I'm sure he's a I nice fella. But I think he's the worst opinion of football ever. He also signed. Uh, yeah. So I don't listen to him anymore because he signed Ali Daya. Did you ever hear Ali Daya? Ali Daya, you're a liar. Yeah, you're I did, yeah. He signed him. Yeah, so yeah, how yeah. the fuck can you know anything about football when you sign someone that doesn't even play it? That's like, that's like Sean Campbell yeah. signing you. <laughs> I nearly got the paper signed, though. <laughs> it's funny when you're on about flying the nest there. Like You're lucky in a sense because you're still at it. Like You're still doing entertainment. I know the three books mm. are still going but like at some stage a lot of the boys just have to go back into a normal life but it must be different you must feel blessed that you're you're still at it like well yeah what like the lads that are not doing it they, they've chosen not to do it like they're happy to be kind of doing other careers they didn't really like the limelight really because you know with with media you have to like even you doing the podcast now you have to put yourself out there and you have to you know kind of like 
give your opinions and stuff. And sometimes you might be just talking absolute shite. So some of the lads just decided to leave and they're happy. They're happy not doing anything. Like they like to, to be more like anonymous. Mm -hmm. So with putting yourself up in media, you're kind of giving away a bit of your privacy in a way. So um, the likes of Eddie Durkin had to go to Sweden, but he might be back in the future. I'm sure he might be, might come back. And then obviously the Viper, he has his streams, you know, and like he's got so many characters to, to pluck from. So I think uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see the Viper doing like um, cool to see him. I, I'd love to see a movie, you know. I'd love to see her series. I think he could do something that's just yeah, he's very quality, very good, you know, quality, maybe like Charlie Brooker or something. I think one yeah. of the the biggest, you know, she's I was going to say like Santa's not real. I hope young young kids aren't listening. Um, <laughs> but such a demographic, of, young young. <laughs> um, one of the biggest like moments like that for me was when I found out Eddie Durkin has an English accent yeah that they get, if some people get it like they're like a bit taken aback by it but he'll tell himself he's he's as mayo as they come mind you but oh yeah um, like he dip into both you know but he does a great he does a great like he's from Liverpool but some of the stories he's got from Liverpool it's just that's a nutty place as well yeah, it's Absolutely good crack. Not. I've been there a couple of times already. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about... Uh... Actually, do you know what it was? <clears throat> do you know what it was that I figured out that he had an English accent was behind the scenes of the film. And... Oh, yeah. You know, it was actually a funny story that he was saying. I can't remember the exact words, but he was saying that the director had to keep reminding you or keep pulling you up. You were saying something like, oh, the holiday. Or you kept calling it a holiday. And he says, no, we're making a film here. <laughs> Um, That's right, what, yeah, yeah. what was that like mm. that whole experience i said that was a bit of crack oh when we went to poland it was unbelievable it was just absolute brilliant crack and it was like we were getting to pull into garages and you know we top up on sweets and a few cans and a couple of sandwiches and stayed in then and then we'd be having the crack and he'd be like right no you need to learn off the script and we're like ah fuck the script should shite anyways we'd, we'd rather make it up as we go along and like the script wasn't even great like so well it, it was all right like but yeah, but going to Poland was great, you know, but um, it was like a holiday. We kept saying this is the best holiday we've ever been on. And your man was like, oh, lads, this is not a holiday. Like, we have to get something in the bank here or else I'll be shot because people had funded the movie. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to cover when you're going across. When you're going from Mayo to Poland, there's a lot of stuff you, you might consider. Like, you got to, first of all, you got to get the sound people and the camera people uh, all following you. And then sometimes you might be shooting stuff on the bypass. So like you got to make sure that the two cars are going at the same time. This is all like while driving and it, in a, the other side of the road. So there was a lot of variables going on there as well. But and then everyone's in very close quarters as well, you know. Yeah, so it must be a bit of pressure as well, because when you're just doing the videos down at Swinford, it's just you having the crack. But when you know that exactly. like, this, the sound guy has to get paid and the light guy has to get paid, you're like, yeah. fuck, better do something here. Exactly, that's it, you see. But one of the most depressing things about the movie was there was a bit where I had to have sex with a fleshlight. And I actually had to record that. We cheated it, so it, it looks like it's in Poland or somewhere. But actually, it was shot outside a garage outside Swinford. So not only was I back in Mayo doing that, but I actually had to have sex with a fleshlight. So that was not oh, ideal. Boo I know. Well, I, getting well, paid. Like and I'm bringing out my own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, you're technically yeah, a glorified porn star. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I'll take that. 
I will we'll wrap her up, but I just wanted to touch on like you're not just the Hardy books, you're not just Owen Colgan, like you've you've featured um in a good few other things. Um tell us a bit about that. Uh let me see what I featured in. Um Bicycle Thieves. I, well actually Poxy Bleeding Sheep. Bicycle Thieves. Yeah. These are just like little shorts I was working on with different people and they're really enjoyable. And you know, it was only it's only really the last two two years I would say that I've kind of done a lot of thinking and be like, what what am I trying to do or what do I like to do and all the other stuff? And I do enjoy the acting carry on. So I'm kind of getting involved in a lot more acting jobs. And I filmed with a friend of mine, I filmed this karate movie in Mayo called The Final Jab. That's going to be out sometime this year. Um, and then I'm working on something up the north in Oma. It's called The Spin. It's like a road trip movie. So there's lots of stuff in the pipeline. And then I'll have the stand-up coming up. And I'm kind of happy enough doing my own stuff around the house as well. The Albert Gardening, you know. Very humble, very... Uh, nice, lovely life there. A bit of Peaceful. acting, bit of bit of gardening. You have it so slight, I'm telling you. And that's all from taking a few videos like of Simper. That's all from being an absolute chancer, you know. <laughs> I'm sure, look, you have to be. Or... Exactly. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of the carry on, really. That's that's the plans, anyways, for the long term. But definitely, I want. To, I'm definitely going to be doing a stand up now, towards the end of the summer this year. But I want to make sure it's a nice tight hour, you know. Yeah. So that when I'm doing it, it's like I'm firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Will you come out to Oz? I'm going. I'm moving off to Oz. You'd hardly come out. Uh, want to go to that now? Are you? Yeah. You'll come oh, out. I'd love sure. to. I would love to go to Oz. Yeah, yeah definitely, you'd, man. You'd have definitely. a serious. You'd you. have a. You'd have a serious um tour there. Like you could go to every city and you'd, you'd sell it out no problem. So the amount of Irish out there now is is ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. What part are you going to? I go to Perth myself. So if you're doing an Australian tour, nice. you have to go there. Yeah, well, definitely. Are you going to continue the podcast out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the plan. I know. You should do, man. Yeah, that's, that'd be great. It'd be a great way to kind of stay in touch with what's going on in Ireland, too. Yeah, and <clears throat> and there's a serious amount of Irish out there that oh, you yeah. could even you could uh, get in contact with out there. So, uh, yeah, we'll see where the road takes us. Um, but, yeah, glad you got uh, your, your nice bit of um, your promo in there. So, you have series coming yeah. out you have your your podcast or not your podcast you've, you've finished the podcast actually you had that for a long time i remember listening to that it's quality i i'm kind of doing like a video i'm doing a visual podcast now so i'm just kind of figuring out how to do all that like because i'm recording it you know yourself like you have to edit it all like make sure the audio and everything's good so i'm just i'm in the process of making it into a visual podcast so that'll take another week or two but i do have some ups up on my patreon but it's it's free to it's free to check it out. Like you can check it out without joining the Patreon. Just so that's kind of what I'm working on. I know it seems to be like everything has to be visual now as well. Like you yeah. know, so I've kind of gone from just the audio podcast to the visual one. I must. I might take a leaf out of your book there. You have you're 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 ahead of your time there. You're as you said, you're evolving with the with the times. Well, I think everyone else is doing it, and I, I feel like I don't know if I'm evolving, but I feel like I'll get left behind if I don't do it. So I I do like the video. Like this is a great, great excuse to have a chat with people, you know. So I um, I need to do more of them so I can get comfortable talking shite. Yeah, jeez, you think you're comfortable at this stage, no? Well, sometimes you listen back to yourself and like, fuck, what was I talking about? I know, what sure. That's always, there, going, you know? that's always going to be the case. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to, listen back to this myself now. I've got to talk some other shite. But anyways, uh, Owen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I won't keep you anymore. Um, thanks a million and likewise, for coming Stephen, on. Thanks for chatting. 
Um, they say no problem, meet... man. In time. Good luck. When are you going to Australia? Months time. Um, so it'll actually be I have okay. a couple in the in the works already. A couple of podcasts. Uh, so it'll be about a month's time. So I'll probably be in Oz by the time it's released. Uh, but they say don't meet your heroes. But I'm glad I did now. No worries, man. Well, thanks very much for having me on, and we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. Anyways, good luck in Australia. Thanks very much, buddy. Yeah, there you go. I'm telling you, we'll have a pint. Definitely, man. Gentlemen. Captain Stephen. <laughs>